Hey, it's Matt Bowles. If you want to hang out with me in person, I'm going to be at the Latino Travel Fest in Elizabeth, New Jersey, May 31st to June 2nd. And I've got a 15% discount for you to join me. Just go to themaverickshow.com slash Latino. That's L-A-T-I-N-O. There you're going to see your 15% discounted ticket. There are going to be multiple guests from The Maverick Show attending, so you'll be able to hang out with all of us in person. You do not need to be Latino in order to attend Everyone is welcome. Again, get your discounted ticket at themaverickshow.com slash Latino. And as soon as you do, send me a DM on Instagram at Matt Bowles Maverick. Let me know that you're coming so that we can make plans to link up in person. And now here's a clip of what's coming up on today's episode. And then I look down the platform and I can see like this team of 10 people running down the platform, like these Chinese train guards and a doctor, I, I assume, like with a wheelchair for me, like just racing down and the rest of them are kind of like staring at us like on the platform. And Chris just whispers in my ear, I'm going to count to three and you're just going to run. We just need to run away from this. So he counts to three and we just run and Chris has all the bags, like these two massive backpacks and we run with like this wheelchair brigade chasing after us and we managed to outrun them and hide in a stairwell. (laughs) This is the Maverick Show where you'll meet today's most interesting real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and world travelers. And learn the strategies and tactics they use to succeed. And now, here's your host, Matt Bowles. Hey, everybody. It's Matt Bowles. Our guest today is Sarah Gregg. She's a life coach, business coach, certified NLP practitioner, and the founder of The Power to Reinvent, a company entirely focused on helping individuals and businesses achieve their goals in less time. Over the past decade, Sarah has worked with hundreds of clients, ranging from large corporations like IKEA to startups and individual entrepreneurs. She has also worked with the European Commission on developing an entrepreneur accelerator program. In 2016, she sold her house, her car, and all of her stuff to become a fully location-independent entrepreneur and design her dream lifestyle. She left her home in Belfast and has been traveling the world with her husband, Chris, while running her business from some of the world's most beautiful locations. Right now, we're doing this interview live in... Chiang Mai, Thailand, before she heads onward to Porto, Portugal next week, which is also one of my favorite cities, by the way. Sarah, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So we have hung out a good bit over the last month in Chiang Mai. It feels like most of those uh, uh, have been on rooftops at cocktail hour, watching sunsets and that sort of thing. Yep, they have. And I'm glad to see that you kept with that line of entertainment today and supplied the wine. Absolutely. It wouldn't be a uh, official sort of Maverick podcast interview without a nice bottle of wine. We have a Chilean Carmenere, which this is your first time having a Carmenere. Is that right? It is. It is. And I can highly recommend it, especially 
especially after the not so great wine in Asia. I feel like I'm in heaven um, for those that um, <clears throat> may not have realized before. I actually nearly cried with joy whenever he opened this and that's no exaggeration. So yeah, little muses the, the Irish clearly when it comes to alcohol. <laughs> so I had never had, uh, I'd never even heard of Carmenere. It's a varietal, right? It's a type of grape until I went and lived in Chile. And this is the specialty wine of Chile, basically, right? And the way that Malbec is sort of the specialty wine of Argentina, Chile is really produces the best Carmenere in the world. And so when I went down there, I found this and I started just basically having it pretty much every night. And then now, as I go around the world, I'm sort of, you know, looking for it, tracking it down, finding the best <laughs> wine stores and, uh, and, and sampling it. So we definitely have a good one here today. Uh-huh. I have to say, I love that you say you, you have to sample it almost every night. That's, that's good going. <laughs> well, in Chile, you know, it's like yeah. you order dinner and then it's like, what would you like with that? Mm, okay, a glass of Carmenere, that'll do. Pairs with just about all of the Chilean food. So, uh, so, so, so we are now in Chiang Mai and you are uh, only here for another week or so. And then you're on your way to Porto, Portugal. Yes, which, I am. Which is amazing. Uh, you've never been before? No, I've never been. So I did a bit of work in um, Lisbon before, but never made it up to Porto. So have heard really, really good things about it. So super excited. Um, it feels like every digital nomad is headed there. Um, I've spoken to quite a number of people this week and the majority of people seem to be kind of heading off to Lisbon or Porto. So yeah, um, it seems to be going on there. So I'm excited to get there and, and see what it has to offer. It's an amazing city. It is. I think you're really, really going to like it. One of the things that I recommend to do is that one of the, what's rated as one of the top 10 most beautiful train rides in the world departs out of Porto and it's super inexpensive. I mean, it's maybe like $27 round trip or something, if I recall. And it's, I think the, I think the destination you want to go to is called Pocinho. I don't know if I pronounced that properly, but um, it's basically just about three hours out and then three hours back. You can do it in one day, but the train ride goes from Porto, um, which for folks that don't know is right on the coast um, in Portugal where the Douro river uh, uh, empties out and the train ride goes right along the Douro River, which is the r- river that irrigates the Portuguese wine country. And so the train is going along the river, and then on both sides of the train, you're just seeing wine vineyards. I mean, it's just oh. unbelievable. So I highly recommend that you take a look for that, uh, that soon after you get there. Sounds amazing. I'm really, really excited to go. And it's my first time, Like, so I've lived in, in Ireland and England, but it'll be my first time actually kind of living somewhere in Europe. So I'm really intrigued to see what the experience is like um, to have the wine and the cheese and kind of all those comforts again. So yeah, I'm really excited. The Portuguese wine is amazing too. I think it's one of the most underrated wines in Mm. Europe. I feel like normally it's sort of the Italian wines and the French wines and even the Spanish wines that get a lot of the um, attention. But I would say that the Portuguese wines are absolutely on par with those other countries. So you're definitely, definitely in for a treat. So let's talk a little bit about your story and how you became location independent. I know it was 2016 that you actually made the transition, but can you tell us a little bit about your life leading up to that point and then how you made that transition? Yeah, of course. So, um, yeah, it feels like a lifetime ago now, even though it wasn't really that long ago. Um, I worked really, really hard in my career. I've always been super driven, um, very successful at what I do to a certain extent. Um, And I had a real focus to become kind of a a top business coach within a university um, in England. I achieved that. Um, I was probably the youngest in my team by seven or eight years at least. Um, 
And then I bought the house, we got married, had the car. And it was like, is this it? Is this really it? Is this what happiness is kind of meant to be like? And it just felt like it was great until it wasn't. And that's the only way I can describe it. And something just didn't feel right. I felt like I could see my whole kind of next 10 years, 20 years, just right out in front of me, that it would be the next promotion, the bigger house, a different car, you know, um, change the sofa, paint the walls a different color. And that excite some people but for me that's not my source of excitement you know traveling variety seeing different places that's what I kind of really wanted to do and to me it felt like people had got the model of life the wrong way around you know it was wait until you retire just wait until then and you take that for granted you assume that you're going to reach that age and then you're going to have the health to do the things that you want to do in life and so we took a trip um, to Bali in Thailand um, and it was really there that we kind of, you know, we spoke to a couple of people who were living this type of lifestyle and they were working and traveling online. It was a really new concept for us um, and we came back and it honestly, it started as a joke ironically as well, over a glass of wine, where we said, well, what if we sold the house? You know, what if we just sold everything and we just took our backpacks and we just went and Weirdly, that felt less scary than the alternative of staying. And that's really how it started. And the journey was crazy to get to this point. It's been really crazy. Well, I want to hear about it. But the first thing that strikes me about your story that's really significant is that I feel like a lot of people have the impression of the digital nomad lifestyle that, oh, you know, that's for single people Mm. or do it when you're young and do it now. And then, you know, eventually you'll get married and settle down. Yeah. Whereas you did exactly the opposite. You got married and then the two of you together as a couple chose to unsettle and go and travel the world. I think we give our parents a heart attack. Like (laughs) truly, we give them a heart attack. And we probably announced it at the worst time. We did it on Christmas Day, (laughs) which was a really bad idea. I don't know why we did that. Um, Yeah, we just thought Christmas would be a good distractor. But on reflection, I think we ruined that Christmas. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we did. I suppose, do it in reverse. A lot of our friends were genuinely worried about us. You know, when we said, we're going to go off, the first question was, what's wrong? Which was really strange because actually for me and for Chris, it felt like this was the right decision. Like this was everything that we wanted. It was like the whole world made sense to us now that that we could have this life, that we could travel, that we could work, that we could move from Thailand to, to Portugal, um, that we could meet different people, see different things and not put that on hold. Um, and it was really, really difficult growing against the grain. It was really difficult to have conversations with friends and family and try and try and explain a concept that isn't known to people. It was almost like, so like, what are you going to do? What do you mean you can work with a laptop? I don't understand. So you're traveling and people want to put you into the, the pigeonhole box that they understand. Okay, so you're backpacking now. No, no, we're not backpacking. We're, we're working and we're traveling. Oh, right. So you're working. Yes, we're working, but we also travel. Um, And even the nomad part, they can't still quite wrap their heads around. So um, we've been in Chiang Mai for five months now. 
And when we said to our family, oh, we're, we're going to go to Porto next, we're like, oh, so you don't like Chiang Mai anymore? It's like, no, we do like Chiang Mai. <laughs> That's not the point of being a nomad. The point is you move around. So it's a very, very new and very, very different concept for people. But the rewards of this lifestyle, the quality time that we share together, the experiences that we share, the stress levels are significantly lower. Um, I would highly recommend it to anybody. And I would say, you know, if you are a married couple out there and, and you're nervous about selling and giving anything, everything up, you won't regret it. And you can always go back. And it is amazing too, you know, I think a lot of people that haven't done this before or that don't have their mind around the concept, it's actually so much less expensive to live this way when you don't have the overhead of a mortgage in the, you know, in an expensive mm-hmm. country, you know, and a car payment and uh, yeah. this and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, you can live in Thailand and eat amazing food and see yeah. gorgeous scenery and like, you know, be in this incredible place or where all these oh. amazing people. And it's a fraction. It is a fraction. Of the living expenses. Yeah. I mean, I don't even cook anymore. We don't cook. We eat out every night. You know, we have a really nice kind of, you know, it's a small apartment, but it's everything that we need. It's got a swimming pool, jacuzzi, gym, 24-hour security, you know, and we pay like $300 for that a month. Like, that is just crazy. And people think I'm mad. Like, I cannot be the crazy one. Yeah, you pay, you pay $300 a month for a furnished apartment and, you know, my lunch today, which was an amazing mm. Thai, you know, chicken curry with rice dish, I mean, just delightful, was about U.S. in U.S. currency, about a dollar fifty. It's U.S. A, for an amazing meal. Yeah. It, 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 the quality of life is incredible. The people that you surround yourself with, you know, the community has really been the, the biggest eye opener for me here. I, I thought I was doing it alone. You know, we came with our backpacks. We met a couple of people. We met one guy in particular, actually, on an island in Malaysia. And he said, he worked online and he said, you should definitely go to Chiang Mai. You know, it's a real nomad hub. I was like, really? Like, we were in Chiang Mai seven years ago. And I just remember there was a city wall and bicycles that you could cycle around. And everybody kind of jumped through here and went to Pai. And that was my only memories. And getting here and meeting people, meeting other married couples that do it, meeting older people. I met a guy who's like 65 and he's doing it. And his his children think he's crazy. It's just such a big spectrum. And if one person can do it, anyone can do it. Yeah, it's been amazing to meet a lot of the people in the community here in Chiang Mai. And you're right. It is a massive diversity of ages. There's certainly people in the retirement age category that are you know traveling around, nomading around the world. But I have been amazed with how young a number of the entrepreneurs here are. I mean, I'm meeting 23-year-old entrepreneurs from countries like the U.S. or other places that have come here and are living on the living expenses that you just described and building, you know, location-independent businesses. I mean, it's unbelievable. It is, and it's, you know, it's the best way to bootstrap your business. I mean, 100%. Strangely, if you think, you know, it's just about thinking a bit differently and outside the box. I think my family would have been more reassured if we had said, we're going to quit our jobs, we're going to go into business together, we're going to go to the bank, we're going to produce some kind of fictitious spreadsheet that shows our forecast. They're going to lend us a load of money against our house, and then we're going to work 
endlessly to pay that back and pay our mortgage and pay our bills. You know, that model is flawed now. We live in a world of ultimate resources. You know, we have technology. The internet here is crazy fast in Chiang Mai. People are more used to working online. A lot of my clients enjoy working online. You know, the the older model is flawed and you can really have an online successful business and you can do it at a very, very minimum cost with an extremely good standard of living still. So one of the other interesting things that I want to ask you about in terms of doing this as a married couple, I know that you and Chris, who by the way is an amazing guy, uh, (laughs) also (laughs) is just an incredible guy to hang out with. So we have had so much fun over this month uh, spending time with you guys. But um, uh, I'm interested for you to share um, how you balance your lives. Um, you have your your marriage, and then the two of you are also involved in businesses together, right? Um, so how the business partnerships dynamic works as spouses. Yeah. Uh, and then you're also traveling and seeing things, and you know, you're in these amazing places, and of course you want to go and do stuff and all of that. So can you talk a little bit about how you've balanced it? Because you, you've obviously made it work. I mean, it's amazing. Like you two uh, have an amazing dynamic and I'm just, it, anything you can share or impart about how that works w- would be fantastic. Yeah, we drink a lot. It's <laughs> 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 a key to any good marriage. <laughs> no, that's a joke. I'm making myself sound like a rage alcoholic. Okay, no, we don't. Um, yeah, we, we've been together for a long time, which I think helps. We've been together for 12 years. Um, we know each other really well. We know each other's strengths. We know each other's weaknesses. Um, and we're both quite different people. So, um, you know, Chris wouldn't do anything like this. He doesn't want to talk. He doesn't want to be on kind of camera, but he's extremely sociable. Um, and yeah, he he tends to specialize more in, in the tech stuff. I do different things. And we just plug each other's weaknesses, which is which is extremely helpful. Um, it saves costs for one. And I think more than that, I think the thing that keeps it together is we're working towards the same goal, which is establishing the lifestyle. So we both know that the effort kind of put in rewards us both and it makes sense to do it together. And so, I mean, as you're doing business projects together, though, Mm. you know, that's I feel like that's an interesting dynamic for a married couple to do because I have. I mean, I have traveled around the world and nomaded yeah. with relationship partners before also. Mm-hmm. And you have the relationship and then you have the travel stuff that you're doing together. But in my situation, the work was totally separate. Like they were just in a totally separate space mm-hmm. doing their thing. And I was in a totally separate space doing my thing. So it was almost like we kind of had a, you know, a separate sort of work day almost, you know, yeah. kind of like a traditional situation, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Then, and, then, and then you're in these amazing locations. So you're traveling, hanging out in the evening or you're doing whatever. But the fact that you guys are also have developed this dynamic where you have these complementary business mm. skills and you've decided to, you know, build businesses together is, is amazing. I mean, can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, does it ever, cause I feel like when you're working in a business environment, you know, there's certain, there's a certain dynamic to that, right? Mm. Where it has to be business focused, has to be this, has to be that. And there will sometimes be business, you know, disagreements or business, you know, strategy yeah. differentials or when stress happens inside a business, there's, you know, dynamics. There. So can you talk a little bit about how you've navigated that when doing business with your, your spouse? Yeah. So, I mean, we, we work together, so we physically sit beside each other, kind of a co-working space. Um, 
we spend an insane amount of time together, but we do get on really, really well. One thing that's worked for us is taking the agile approach. So if you come into our apartment right now, you would see that we were super geeky and we have like a a big kind of like white bit of paper with post-it notes and all the tasks and we drop it down and we review that regularly. I mean, every morning. So before we go to the co-working space, we kind of look and then Chris will give an update on, yeah, you know, I've built the sales funnel. I've coded this bit of the website. I can say I've written this content. You know, I've I've um, done this little bit of social media, you know, whatever it is. And then we drop it down. And then we discuss, okay, what's the high value priority for today? You know, what is it that you're going to work on? What is it that I'm going to work on? And then it's trust. I mean, trust is the biggest thing. It's kind of going into that space and knowing that Chris is going to work to the best of his ability to do what he has to do and I'm going to do the same and it's a 50-50 partnership. So the organisation, the clear differentiation of tasks, the ownership of those tasks and then the trust that the other person's going to do it. Wow. So... Okay, so let's talk a little bit about, I want to go back to sort of your story and when you two decided to leave mm-hmm. and you had all the conversations with people and you packed up and you yeah. sold the house and you sold the car and you actually <laughs> did it. Uh, take us from there over the last couple of years. You said it has been quite an experience. Yeah. Tell it, us a little bit about that journey. It's been a crazy experience. I mean, the the house, even selling it, was way more stressful than I could ever have imagined. Um, we made the decision to sell the house and it all sounded really great and romantic and like, yeah, we're going to pack our bags. And and then we started to clear stuff out to just feel like never ending. Like, I mean, I owned, I'm not even joking, about 200 pens. I don't know why I owned them. I don't know where they came from, but there was there was maybe 250, like like free pens that I picked up from marketing things. And like, what do you do with that? If you're not going to move it to like another place, like where do those pens go? Like to pen heaven, you can't give them to a charity shop. No one's going to want to buy them. So it was like this weird kind of thing of just cleansing yourself from, from your stuff. And then also realizing how much crap you had accumulated over the years and how much of that was unnecessary. Um, so yeah, that, that was was actually very stressful. And then we took a bit of time out to recover from the house move. We went up to Scotland. We rented like a really nice um, kind of lodge by the lake with a hot tub. We just chilled out. It was amazing. And then we started into really um, the nuts and bolts of of the business. So we went to Malaysia for a bit. Then we went to Bali. um, And we had to do a a lot of upskilling in a short amount of time. And I think that kind of transition has been a sharp one. We both had certain skills, but I'd say both of our digital skills maybe probably weren't where they needed to be. So we didn't know how to build a website. You know, we didn't know how to create a sales funnel. Um, But the amazing thing about coming to Chiang Mai and the community is we learned it all from them for no charge. Wow. That is really significant, I think. Um, You know, and one of the other themes that I'm hearing from you is about how most people obviously don't live like this. And mm-hmm. we're socialized to believe that either you can't or you shouldn't or something of, along those lines. Yeah. And nobody else that, you know, we know uh, lives like that. So it's, it, you know, it's, it's very different. And so I feel like a lot of people, you know, might hear 
a podcast like this, or they mm-hmm. might hear something like that. It's like, oh wow, that sounds amazing. Or they might read a book, you know, yeah. um, that, that would inspire them along these lines. But then when they start talking to people about it, they get dissuaded, yes. right? And they think, oh, I couldn't do that, or nobody that I know does that. And the people around me are telling me that it's not possible, or it's not for me, or it's not that kind of stuff. What advice would you give to someone in that position in terms of how to break through that if they want to? really pursue this type of lifestyle definitely it's really difficult to break through that and you feel like you're the crazy one amongst all the crazies that kind of you know don't want to do what you want to do and I love this quote from Steve Jobs which is our time is limited so don't waste it living someone else's life and I really think that that is so powerful and if you want to do it and you have those people who are telling you that you can't, then you need a different super team. They are not the right people for you to be with. I guarantee when you leave, you will meet people out here that will that will not give you the problems, they will give you the solutions. When I turned up at things like WordPress meetups and, and I was saying, okay, I'm not even sure what WordPress is. Like, can someone teach me how to do this? Can you show me? Can you give me a few hints? There wasn't one person in that room that said to me, you shouldn't be a digital nomad or you're silly and you don't know what you're doing. Every single person was like, this is amazing. Like you're going to learn. Um, I was in the same position X amount of years ago. I made these different mistakes. Now I'm going to teach you kind of the fastest way. So success leaves clues behind. You need to find those people that have already done their journey. You need to speak with them. You need to learn from their mistakes. Um, and just gather as much information as possible, but just do something towards that step. Everyone will still think you're crazy. Everyone will still think that you're mad, but that's their lives. If you want to do this, live your own life and just step out of it. Right. And I think surrounding yourself and finding ways to plug into supportive communities and connecting with people and with groups and with Mm -hmm. communities, even if they're online, because you don't know anybody in your physical location that does this, connect with communities online and get support from them. It's amazing. We were, you and I were both at the Nomad Summit Mm -hmm. here last month where we met. And, um, you know, the people that I was talking to there were there from all over the world. Yeah. And they basically, I mean, a lot of them just worked regular. Like I talked to a guy who worked construction, mm. you know, it, it, you know, in it, you know, on the other side of the world, and or something like that. And he just said, you know, I was listening to these podcasts, yeah. and I knew that I needed to get to Chiang Mai to plug into this community. And now I'm here, and I just made my way here, and I'm going to try to. I have three months, you know, to try to figure out how I'm going to build a location independent business. Yeah, I and mean, that's literally the mindset of like yeah. a bunch of the people that are here. Yeah, I mean, so many people that that are here it's exactly the same story they kind of come across they've got a little bit of money to invest in the business um yeah and they just go for it and they immerse themselves in the community and there's comfort in the community particularly when you're just starting out the journey I would say you know if you want to do it find a hub find a spot where there's going to be others kind of doing this where there's going to be meetups and if you don't have access to that just yet you know co-working spaces are all over the world now you know go to a co-working space I guarantee you will find someone that is working online or someone even if they're just running their own business in a traditional sense go and learn from them you know we live in a world of crazy infinite resources now you know youtube podcasts you know online forums it's all there at your fingertips and i think if you really want it you can find a way 
Yeah, I mean, we're doing this interview in a co-working space right now, yeah. in fact. Uh, and for people that don't know what that is, basically, you know, most cities around the world will have co-working spaces. And these are basically offices, right, where you can come in and they have really good high-speed Wi-Fi uh, and you can work at workstations. And there's other people that are working there, digital nomads from around the world or, you know, in some cases, maybe local people also um, as well. But they also have conference rooms. So right now we're in a conference room in a co-working space in Chiang Mai, Thailand. We have set up a podcast studio here uh, and we're and we're doing this interview and you can do this pretty much anywhere in the world. They're open 24-7, so whatever time frame you know you need to work on for your hours or anything like that, you know these are open 24-7. You can just come in here, but you meet people mm-hmm. in the co-working spaces. There's ways to plug into the community, and I've been amazed with how organized you know, the community is in certain places like Chiang Mai. Yeah. I mean, socially organized, professionally organized, all these meetups you're talking about, whatever you want to learn, whatever you want to strategize yeah. about, or whatever social event, you know, you want to go to and meet people socially, which is also important. Can you talk about that for a little? Because that's really important. I mean, one of the things that, that, that is very difficult about traveling, you know, for me, because I've, I left the U.S. in – um, 2013. Mm. And so I've been nomading around uh, since then. And in some cases, I was doing it with uh, ex-relationship partners yeah. um, and uh, you know, and so forth. But even I find when you travel with one partner, if you're traveling you know, and nomading around long term, that can become very lonely. Yeah. Even if you have one other person with you, if you're not plugging in to social communities. Can you talk a little bit about what your experience has been with that? Yeah, definitely. So um, I completely agree. Um, Actually being in a couple and meeting people is harder because people automatically assume that you have each other. And I think people think you're maybe a bit more difficult to approach or I don't know what it is. Um, So yeah, that's always a factor and travel can get lonely. The amazing thing about the community and the meetups, I mean, they are never ending. When I first got here, I was like, I could be at like five different things a day, like at least from um, there's like a wine and pizza meetup where you can go and drink wine and have pizza. Um, there's like a Rocky Horror Party here next week. There is um, women's only lunches. There is Amazon FBA groups. There is yeah, there is everything that you could ever possibly think of and more. And I've met some incredible people and the people really give strength to your journey and they inspire you. And that's what's really important. And it's not just about their learning uh, in the practical sense, but it also shows you what is possible in life. So Jim Rohn says you're the average of the five people that you spend time with. You know, and we may not spend a lot of time with kind of, you know, people individually here, but I think the people that you do spend time with, they are incredible. Like I met um, travel bloggers and the guys that run Adventure and You last week, you know, they earned passive income off their their blog last month, nearly $13,000. That's crazy. Um, And just having those chats and having access with people, you know, chatting to people that I used to follow their blogs and then I meet them in a bar in Chiang Mai or I meet them at like a a women's kind of like co-working event and you're like, oh, I look really familiar. And then it's like, oh my God, like I read your blog, like I saw you. And it's just incredible, you know, the the inspiration and the different ways to do things, the out of the box thinking and just the inspiring stories, which kind of makes you think, man, if they can do it, like I can do it. Yep. 
Absolutely. That's, um, it, it, it is amazing just the types of people that you, that you run into here and how structured it is to meet people. But I think it's very important to be intentional about that because I think one of the things that causes travel fatigue for people mm-hmm. is the social isolation. Yeah. So being able to strategically pick where you're going to go and then being able to plug into those meetups and, and be intentional about proactively integrating into those social communities is really the key to doing this long term. Yeah, absolutely. So important. And, and because people move around you know we've met we've met people here that are off to kind of um off to Porto next so we'll kind of hang out with them you know whenever we get there and the community moves around and people share amazing travel trips like your train journey you know all that kind of stuff it's it's just a lovely thing to be part of yeah and it's amazing too because when you get into this digital nomad ecosystem you meet people and you connect with them on social media or whatever mm. and the the extent to which you then cross paths with those people in the future is amazing. Like I've literally met, I mean, I've literally met probably three or four people here in Chiang Mai that uh, I have told, oh, you know, about what is it going to be? One, two, three months from now, I'm going to be in Valencia, Mm. Spain, Yeah, you know, for a month. Literally three or four people are also going to be in Valencia, Spain in that same (laughs) month. I mean, who are in Chiang Mai now. I mean, literally, I mean, yeah. it's like unbelievable how these, you know, global paths cross and people are, you know, going to be in all these future places. And stuff. So as you start meeting people and you start then building your social network virtually, yeah. wherever you go, you're going to know people or cross paths with people. And then you're going to plug in to meet new people and stuff. And it's really, you know, just really an extraordinary global network that's developing, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. It's, it's fabulous. And. I want to take just one minute out to let you know that in addition to hosting The Maverick Show, I am also the co-founder of Maverick Investor Group, a real estate brokerage that helps you buy turnkey rental properties in the best U.S. real estate markets from anywhere. So these are single family homes sometimes two to four unit properties, and they're either brand new or fully renovated, and they already have tenants and local property management in place. So you get all the benefits of owning the deeded real estate, that physical house, the hard asset, without the headaches of being the landlord or the rehabber or needing to live near the property. So I want to offer you a free consultation if that sounds interesting to you. To learn more about it, you can just go to themaverickshow.com slash consult. And now, back to the episode. You know, I hope many more people are kind of inspired to make that change. So let's talk a little bit now about your business. Let's talk about the power to reinvent Mm -hmm. and tell us a little bit about how that came about and what it is basically. Yeah. So, um, I have worked as a coach. I actually hate that term coach, but that's a different story, (laughs) but we'll use coach for now. So I've worked as a coach for, for 10 years. Um, I qualified in psychology, NLP, all that, all that stuff. Um, and when I came out here, I really wanted to do something with it still but I wasn't quite sure what and I started to look at what was the one technique that I used over and over again in my past 10 years that moved people the fastest that brought them the results the quickest and it was without doubt goal setting and I decided to focus the business on that because I believe in results I believe in getting people results 
there are some people that enjoy the affirmations and the chanting and all that all that stuff is good but without action without somebody without knowing how exactly you move forward then it doesn't work so my approach is to really help people achieve those goals in less time well, I'm super excited because I'm actually attending one of your goal setting workshops next week, and I'm going to work on my own goals uh, under your uh, uh, leadership and expertise. And, and expertise and advice. And so I'm super excited about that. Um, but tell us a little bit. Let's, I mean, let's go into a little bit now mm. um, in terms of um, goal setting and you know how you work with people on that. I mean, talk about the, I guess, first of all, what it does in terms of performance, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of happiness. I mean, in terms of the things that you see, why, let's talk about why setting goals and then let's go into how to set effective goals. Yeah. So why set goals? So it, it, it actually kind of touches back on the conversation that we had earlier on about drifting into other people's lives. And if you don't have a goal, you don't have direction. You're just drifting. If you're not sure if you have a goal or not, then I would encourage you to kind of think about this question. What is the next chapter of your life? What does it look like? If you can't answer that question specifically with with details, then you don't have a goal. You are drifting. And drifting is very, very dangerous. Um, You wander into other people's goals. You end up kind of becoming envious. You compare yourself to other people. You might stumble across success by accident, but it's a complete waste of energy because goals are the fundamental. They are the key ingredient to success. There is endless amount of philosophers, scientific research that backs up what I'm saying. But yet we overlook it. And I think goals in particular have become a bit like white noise in society. Do you know, smart goals, set your goal at an appraisal, do you know, set your New Year's resolution goals, all, you know, all that stuff. But actually goals should be part of your daily practice. You know, they should be something that you do on a regular basis. It's not just a, it's not just a one-off. And as shocking, I find this shocking, eight out of 10 people don't have a goal. So, so let's, I mean, let's talk about that and and go a little bit deeper because Mm -hmm. I feel like goal setting, the concept of that, as you mentioned, is a sort of a generically, I think, acknowledged thing like, oh yeah, like goals are good. It's good for me to have goals. I set new year's resolutions. I have this, I have that. Um, what inevitably happens, right, with the New Year's resolutions? Yeah. I mean, ask ask anybody that owns a gym, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ask anybody yeah. that owns a, a gym, uh, a fitness center, what happens with New Year's resolutions, right? They get an enormous amount of new gym memberships, right, on yeah. January second, uh, and, and then you know the first half of January is very busy. Yeah, very busy. Can't gym. even get on one of those spin bikes. <laughs> yeah. There's no treadmills yeah. available yeah. in the first two weeks of January <laughs> at all, right? And then all of a sudden, by February, come February, March, all of a sudden the treadmills are, there's a lot of them available. Yeah. There's a lot fewer people in the spinning classes. That's it. And they are the people that set goals incorrectly. <laughs> so, so talk a little bit about that. What 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 are people doing incorrectly when they're setting goals? And is it the setting that's incorrect or is it the execution plan that's incorrect? And, and what do people need to do to mm. revise how they're doing that so that they can be successful? So it's, it's a combination of factors. Um, first of all, um, 
you have to make sure it's the right goal for you. And what I mean by that is you have to be willing to expand the amount of energy for the reward that it brings. So your mind has to really feel like it's worth it. So like if you're just going to the gym on New Year's, for example, because you think, ah, you know, I probably put on like three or four extra pounds over Christmas, like, oh, I could sweat that off in a couple of weeks, you know, and that's your goal. Um, that, that's all it's going to last for. Or if you're doing it because everybody else is joining the gym and because the gym has kind of, you know, given out a really great promotion and you think I should do this, then that's not a reason to set a goal. So number one is it has to be motivating enough. You have to be willing to, to bring through the pain barrier of it so you know for me I'm wanting the digital you know the nomad kind of location independent lifestyle you know even though selling that house was painful the reward was greater so that's what pushed me through so it's got to be something that, that super super motivates you um, the second thing is, is it's got to be in alignment with you and your values. So um, every little part of it has, has to feel right. And I use a process for that. I use a, an NLP process, um, which kind of goes through, you know, stating your, your goal in the positive, um, making sure that if you could have it now, would you take that goal? Um, what happens if you do achieve that goal? What happens if you don't achieve that goal? And just check in that everything is in alignment, that it's really, really something that you truly want. Um, so, so they're the kind of key bits is one, you have to really want it. And two, it's got to be worth the pain. The reward has to be worth the pain of achieving it. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, you know, one of the things that we did with Maverick Investor Group as we were building our company is, you know, we basically did three things. So, you know, one is we set, you know, business goals, mm. right, for our company. And we want to, you know, achieve these things as a business. But, you know, two other things that we did is that we institutionalize a, a component in our business where we donate a certain percentage of the net revenue of our company mm. to charitable causes that are important to us, nice. right, to affect positive change in the world. And so what that does is it creates a double incentive because as the company does better financially, so too do all of these super important causes that yep. we really care about. So it's a proportional thing. Mm. So the inspiration to achieve better things in the company is one – Right to you know for the business to do well. Two, then that means we're helping more clients, right? Because yeah. we're helping people invest in real estate um, and and take their own you know wealth building and lifestyle design to the next level. So mm -hmm. we're helping the clients improve their lives for them and their families. And then three, we're helping these charitable causes that are important to us, you know, with more and more and more financial support. Yeah. So it's sort of a three-pronged approach in addition to obviously then also, you know, having the location independence not only for the owners of the company, but for a hundred percent of our staff. And actually, that's so interesting that you say that because a lot of people that I, I work with will come to me saying, you know, I want to double my, um, I want to double my income in a year. You know, I want to grow the business like three times kind of this size. But actually it's really important that you focus on the purpose and not the object. Because if you focus on financial goals, science proves that you're actually more likely to be unhappy. So precisely what you've described in that bigger picture, that growth and contribution bit, um, it's okay to have money, but why do you want it? So why do you want the $3 million house? You know, it, it can't just be for the house because once you get it, you're not going to be happy. But if you're going to fill it with family, friends, have a big party at it, you know, um, 
yeah, make it a place of kind of, you know, love, move your parents into it, you know, whatever it is, it has to be about the purpose behind it. Why are you doing this? You know, like Simon Sinek, a great fan of his, um, you know, you have to get the why right and that has to be the right motivator. And finance can be a motivator as long as you understand why you want that money in the end. So as your business does better, then the charities do better, then you grow better. And, and it's just that nice, well-rounded goal, which is so important and integral to happiness, which right. is what we all want. Right. And I think the lifestyle component is really important too, because you know one of the things that happens, I feel a lot, especially in sort of Western societies and, mm. and that kind of stuff, whether it's the UK or uh, Ireland or the US or, or any of those kind of places, is that people are working more and more hours yeah. and harder and harder and working more and maybe they're making more money but all of their time is spent at the office yeah. and then usually they're taking the extra money and they're just comp- they're just stockpiling more and more stuff so they buy yeah. a more expensive house a more expensive car a bigger TV you know and then the money goes there and then they're just working harder and they're on this sort of hamster wheel and so yeah. I feel like you know the lifestyle part of it I mean mm-hmm. one of the things that we did at the very outset of our company, when we were building it from the inception of the business plan, we said, we want to be completely location independent, totally and entirely. So we are going to build a business and retroactively design the business plan so that we and 100% of our staff, everybody that works with us, will be location independent. So we're just simply going to design a virtual infrastructure to facilitate that freedom of mobility. Because for me, that's always been more important than however much money I make. You know, yeah. if I make this much or that much or a little bit in here and there. If I can travel the world and live in these amazing places and hang out with and meet extraordinary people yeah. and have incredible experiences, that's worth so much more than making, you know, X percentage of increased revenue yeah. per year. Absolutely. And and again, we did exactly the same thing. So we work backwards and everything in, in the business model, whenever we put a process in or whenever we think about a new product or service, we test it against that. You know, is this going to bring us towards our end goal? You know, it doesn't take us away from work. You know, I mean, it's still good quality products, but if it relies on me and it's me kind of sitting at the computer kind of all the time, that's not what I signed up for. And I think technology has evolved at just such a rapid rate. There are so many clever plugins, tricks, tools that, you know, can take you out of the equation so so you can enjoy life more. But again, it comes back to that bit. If you don't know where you're going and you don't know why you're doing it, then you're just a a busy fool. You know, you just kind of run about, you stockpile your money for what? So that one day, you know, you'll do that one thing that you kind of think that you maybe want to do, but you're too busy right now to kind of think about it. You know, I think if more human beings set goals, they would have a greater impact on the world as a whole. They would be happier. They would be less stressed. They would inspire other people. Their actions would have meaning behind them. I think if people would just take a little bit of time out of their day, it doesn't take much to set a goal, half an hour, 45 minutes. And it gives that that sense of purpose, that sense of being, that sense of this is why I'm doing it. This is why I'm on the planet. This is my role at this moment in time is to achieve X. And I think that, you know, what I tell people too along the same lines is thinking about how, you know, the, it all comes back to adding value, mm-hmm. right? 
if you, whatever you're doing for your business is actually providing value to your customers, yeah, that's so significant because what it means is that there's an interrelationship between the more that you sell mm-hmm. and the better you do, therefore, financially, the more value you add to all of the customers that have bought something from you. Absolutely. And if you can have that symbiotic relationship, that's really the game. So just thinking about how can you add value – and then you can go into selling something with this incredible thing. Yeah. So, you know, if people that buy real estate from Maverick Investor Group are able to increase their passive residual income, buy those income mm-hmm. generating assets, that means they have to work less, they get more lifestyle freedoms, they have to eat more time with their family and all that kind of stuff. I'm adding value to my customers. They're buying from me. Our business is doing better. Yeah. That's then throwing off a higher percentage of income to the charitable causes that we're donating to. We're affecting positive change in the world that way. And there's a congruence in terms of your inspiration yeah. to try to improve what you're doing for all of those things, right? So I think it's a foundational element. I agree 100%, like figure out, you know, your why yeah. uh, as the baseline and how, you know, beyond you, you're going to create those types of benefits. But now, so my next question though is once you do that and you mm-hmm. say, okay, uh, because I do highly recommend that people say, okay, the better I do financially, the more I'm going to donate. And if you create a fixed yeah. percentage of what you're going to donate to something, then you you know you have that institutionalized from the beginning. But uh, so so I recommend that personally. But once you do that, let's then talk about okay. Now I'm motivated. Now I understand you know mm-hmm. how I'm going to contribute positively to the world by doing better in my business. Let's talk about goal setting from there. How do you execute effectively? Execute for the long term and actually achieve the goals that you set. Okay, so there's there's two things, there's two aspects to that. The first one is with what I would call kind of, you know, proper or a, a well-formed goal is you power up your subconscious during it. So your subconscious is a million times faster than any other part of your brain, which is incredible. It's a huge untapped resource. It will just work away like a like a big machine in the background. So by powering up your subconscious, you feed it information about success. You tell it, what will it look like when you achieve your goal? What type of things will you see? So for the people at the gym, for example, they might see themselves, you know, in the bikini. They might see themselves kind of on holiday, fitting into those pair of jeans. Then you ask, what will you hear? So in your internal voice, so I might hear myself say, hey, I look amazing. I might hear other people say, wow, those jeans look great on you. Whatever it is. So you power that up, you feed it as much information as possible. And the final stage is you think about how it's going to feel. And what that does is it creates a disconnect between the subconscious and the conscious mind. And it activates a part of your brain called the RAS. And the RAS gets like really confused because the subconscious doesn't understand the difference between imagination and reality it feeds the conscious mind information it's like hey guys what's going on here we're not skinny quite yeah we don't fit in those jeans okay we're going to work really really hard to do that so you know some people now kind of call that manifestation but but that is in its purest form is you're activating that part of your brain that will that will provide the disconnect. It, it, it just bridges that gap between the conscious and the subconscious. And the amazing thing about that is it just works in the background. So you don't actually need to know the exact how. You don't need a step-by-step plan when you do goal setting really, really well. 
All you need to know is what the end goal is. And then you start to notice the most amazing things of how people and opportunities present themselves because energy goes where attention flows. So your mind has this laser sharp focus. It starts kind of whittling out the, the information. So when you have a conversation with someone, you're like, hey, that's relevant. Like, And then you get kind of you know intrigued and, and people come to me like after our session. So I, I had a, a session with a girl last week and uh, she was going to a big buy-in kind of networking fair and she was nervous about talking about her new business model and I said to her you know it's going to be amazing like I I promise you're going to go you're going to hear yourself speak and you're going to hear those comments come back to you you're going to hear how people are interested in what you what you do and she ended up closing a deal that day and kind of in fact they flew her it was here in Chiang Mai she was at TED Talks and they flew her from here down to Bangkok to meet with um, one of the big kind of embassies so it, it is amazing and it does work. So this is a great thing. You don't need to know all the details. You just need to know where you're going and trust your mind that it's going to get there. It, it's kind of magic, but it's it's science, like it works. So what would be an, a specific, I, I mean, is there a specific exercise for mobilizing your subconscious in that way right yeah. like because uh, yeah can you share what that might be so someone sets a goal or wants to achieve something what would be the actual you know exercise that they would do for getting their subconscious into the position that you're describing yep so um i have a, a kind of five-step process. It's called power goals. Um, So the first step is to set it in the positive. So um, the mind doesn't understand negative. So for example, if I said to you, don't think about that bottle of wine on the table. Like the first thing that you think about is the bottle of wine on the table because you have to think about it in order for the mind to delete it. So it has to be in the positive. So um, if you wanted to become location independent, you would say, I want to become location independent as opposed to, I don't want to work in my nine to five job anymore. So that's the first step. You should be able to say your goal in just one or two sentences. Keep it really, really short, really punchy, really succinct. Then the next stage is to think about the outcome. So that's the O part of the stage. And at that stage, you're really just testing, like, do I want this goal? So good questions at this fa- at this stage are, if I could have it now, would I take it? On a scale of one to 10, one being I don't want it at all, 10 being I do, where does that rank? So you're just testing your mind, okay, do I really want this thing? Then it's the where and when, so getting specific about where exactly do you want it. And then the A for the evidence, that's the subconscious bit. And that's what will I see? What will I hear? What will I feel? And you really have to take time to get into that. If you can draw out the pictures, great. You know, really hear those signs. Um, and I know we've got a, a free link to a guide that I produce that will talk kind of any listeners that, that want to do this process themselves through it in detail. Oh, good. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit more about it now, though? Because I've heard, you know, and maybe people have heard things like, you know, create a vision board mm. or, you know, do things that will stimulate your, your sensory kind of connection with the goal that you envision. I mean, do you recommend that in terms of... I do. Yeah. Can I mean, can you... Because I'm really interested in, I mean, you know, the, whatever specific exercises you can do to get people to this next level on the on the subconscious stuff I think would be really valuable. Yeah. So the the visualization is is really really important. Um there's a lovely story about the the lady um Sarah Blakely that founded Spanx. Um for all those people that don't last at the gym. 
<laughs> need just to tuck it away, the easy option. Um, she started that company on $5,000 and she saw herself, she visualized her success to the point where she saw herself having this like really interesting conversation on the Oprah Winfrey show. And that was 15 years before it happened. Wow. Yeah. Jim Carrey, I don't know if you know the story about Jim Carrey and the check. No. Oh, it's amazing. This is a great story. So um, Jim Carrey was a, a like a failing kind of actor and he was super into visualization. He to the point he used to like drive around Hollywood and be like imagine that he was like a famous actor and look at the houses. But one of the really interesting things that he did was he wrote himself a check for ten million dollars for acting services rendered and he dated it just a few days before Thanksgiving. And he put it in his wallet and he kind of looked at it all the time as a visual reminder of what he wanted. And three days before the exact date, he got over 10 million pounds for um, Dumb and Dumber. Wow. That yeah. That is incredible. So, okay. So, so what do you recommend to listeners? I mean, should they go and just grab this, um, this, this, this content that you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, is that the best sort of guide to it? I mean, but we'll get, and we'll get that website out um, at the end where they can go and they can get that and they can mm-hmm. follow the process. But, you know, in terms of, you know, what people should do to start with. Um, I mean, where do people start? So right now, you know, if they want to start setting goals today Mm -hmm. and they want to start mobilizing their subconscious and getting in the right mindset, what are their first couple steps? So for each person, it can be slightly different. So some people will know exactly what they want. They'll be super driven. They'll have already kind of gone through the clarity stage. For other people, you might be thinking, hey, when that crazy Irish girl asked what was the next chapter in my life, I didn't have a clue. Where'd I go now? I don't know what my goal is. What's my P? What's my positive bit? Um, And that's completely normal. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. So if you are kind of at that stage where you're not sure what the next chapter of your life looks like, or there's an element of doubt where you think, I sort of know, but I'm not sure. There's a really good technique. Um, Just spend like five, 10 minutes or so and write down 50 things that you want to achieve in your life. So 50 things, it can be anything. It could be places you want to see. It could be how much money you want to earn. It could be people you want to meet. Could be you want to be on the Oprah Winfrey show or maybe on the Maverick show. You could be here. Maybe this is your goal. (laughs) This is one thing you want to take off your list. Um, Write them down. And then I want you to number them one, three, and 10. So one being things that you want to achieve within the year, three being within three years, and 10 being within 10 years. Um, And just kind of notice where your priorities lie. Notice the things that you're most interested in. Notice what motivates you. This is a really difficult exercise for adults, which is so interesting. So one of the biggest challenges I have in my professional work is when I ask people what they want, it's the hardest question for them to answer because they want to tell me what they don't want. They want to talk about, I don't want the job. I'm fed up with this person. I, you know, I'm stressed out in this business. I don't want that business partner. You know, I don't want these kind of customers, whatever it is. They want to be in that problem state. So this exercise will really kind of get your imagination going because when you write a goal, the goal you aim for is more than likely the one that you're going to achieve. And also if you make it stretching, so if you make it like really super ambitious, like I want to be the president or um, I want to produce wine in this particular region, whatever it is. Stop talking about wine, Sarah. I know it's because you're drinking it. Um, Whatever it is, um, make it stretching because if you do, 
people with stretching goals, so goals that are going to be difficult to achieve, perform 90% better than those that set attainable goals. So like really go for it. Let your imagination go totally wild with that exercise and just see what comes up. Like if a kid did that, like if I gave that to my niece or nephew, they could have 50 in like 10 minutes. I'd be like, I'm going to the moon. Like... (laughs) I want to be a police fire dog. Like they just come up with like random, random stuff. Um, but for for adults, because we're so in that system, we're so in that line of thinking of, you know, this is what we should do. This is my next step. What do you mean that I don't have to buy a house? What do you mean it's okay for me not to get married? What do you mean that I can kind of sell everything, take a laptop, go to Chiang Mai, hang out with digital nomads? You know, but all these things are an option. So get creative, let your imagination run wild, see what excites you, notice how you feel when you do the exercise and then at that stage then you can start to kind of really focus down into okay what are my year goals and in that year how can I articulate that into the pay of the power goal as in what I want I feel like that's really important you know one of the things that and I don't know I assume you come across this in your business too depending at what stage people are at when they come to you but I have a number of friends who are you know in their 30s mm. who have worked years in a grinding industry yeah. like advertising in New York City or you know that kind of stuff and then basically leave their job they're burned out they're mm-hmm. like you know what I didn't really like the stuff that I was doing yeah and I and then I'm trying to say oh great well now's your opportunity to reinvent yourself yeah. and do something you're really passionate about what is it that you're passionate about <laughs> I don't know. So what do you, I mean, do you have any additional suggestions for, you know, people that are like, okay, finding my passion, I need to sort it out. I mean, is that, is that the exercise, the same exercise you'd recommend for those people? I would do that. And then if you're still not sure, um, just do something. So if you want to understand, act. So if you're not sure if that's your idea or Jenny's next doors or Bill's down the road, just because Bill said he wanted to own a fishing boat and you're like, well, maybe I like fishing boats. Yeah, I'm going to stick that on my list so I can get to 50. You know, go out and try something. So if it's in a job scenario and you think maybe I want to do like, I'll be like a social media manager. I'll get on this Instagram train and do whatever. Then just do something. See how it feels. Notice how you respond in that environment. You know, you've got to get, at some point, you have to get out of your own head and you've got to do something because we can live in our heads. It's a comfortable place. It's safe because tomorrow we're going to do that thing. You know, next week we're going to get round to that list. But time kind of disappears quite quickly. So make the list and then take action just Whatever it is, no matter how small it is, just do something and then notice how you feel in that moment and listen to your gut. Like it's not rocket science. Like you either like it or you don't. And if you don't, cool, move on to the next thing. And then before you know it, you'll be there and you'll not quite know how you got there, but you will. You'll be there. So let's talk a little bit about techniques for replacing or transcending limiting beliefs Mm. because I feel like society in general, wherever you're from, Mm -hmm. right, you are heavily socialized into very traditional paths that you should, you know, pursue this career path, climb this corporate ladder, do this, you know, whatever it is, you know, go on this trajectory, do that, get married, have kids, get the, you know, whatever the traditional trajectory is, 
I mean, there's a heavy socialization pressure for heavy. people to do that. And it varies by culture. It varies a little bit maybe. But there's heavy pressure to do a particular direct, go a particular direction anywhere. And so I feel like what that does is it, you know, there's that plus it's just human beings just getting beat down by society mm-hmm. in general and just, you know, oh, well, I couldn't do X, Y, Z, or I see these people that are doing this or or see them on TV or hear them on the podcast, and that's really cool and interesting, but I couldn't do that because, you know, list out 12 reasons why it wouldn't apply to me, or I couldn't do it because I have, you know, X number of things going on. So in terms of that, though, what do you recommend for techniques for Mm -hmm. replacing or transcending those limiting beliefs that we all have? Yeah. So like you said, there, you know, it, it's huge and it kind of comes from from a really young age. And, and just on that point, if it's okay, just to go slightly off tangent, but but not really. Is um I don't know if you remember the game. It was like probably around when we were growing up called the game of life. The theme of it was um get married. Ha- Why am I singing? That's wine. Get married. Have a baby. And like, I remember that so vividly. And the, the, the point of the game was you moved around and then you collected money and you got married. You had a child. You bought a house. And then at the end, you got to retirement meadows. And that is where you counted all your money. And the person with the most amount of money won. Like, that's what I grew up on. That's what we played, like, in our house. So it's so, so entrenched. And you're quite right, like, to get out of that and to realize that actually you can do what anybody does. You know, we're not, we're special people, but we're not that special. You know, we're, we're just people that made a decision to, to do it. Um, so to get over those limiting beliefs, there is a really simple technique actually it's a it's an NLP technique for those that don't know what NLP stands for it's neuro linguistic programming um, what NLP does is it changes the connections in your brain at a really, really fast rate. So um, all your beliefs, everything that you know has been learned. You weren't born with that predisposition. Um, so all you have to do is unlearn it, which sounds kind of easy and to a certain extent it sort of is. So here's the technique. So what you're going to do first is you're going to write down what your limiting belief is. So you write down, um, I believe that I can't become location independent or I believe that I couldn't be a successful entrepreneur or whatever that is. And you write it down. Now, what's really, really important is we've got to get old school here. You have to write it with a pen and paper. It's very important. It's the science behind it. It activates a different part of your brain. You won't regret doing it that way. So write it down. After you've written it down, I want you to think of how you can replace that belief. So like, what's better than that? What's a more useful thing to believe? So it could be, um, I believe I can become a successful entrepreneur. So you write that down again on your bit of paper and then just notice how it feels to have that belief behind you. Notice how if you could picture yourself saying, ha, you know what? I used to believe that I couldn't be a successful entrepreneur but now I believe I can be. And your whole physiology changes. Notice how good that feels. Notice how good it sounds to hear yourself say that. And then the next stage is to get your brain to think of three more useful beliefs. So the amazing thing about our bodies and our minds is they always want to protect us. Like they're protecting the organism. So every behavior has a positive intention. So your belief about not wanting to become the entrepreneur 
or not wanting to become location independent or not wanting to do whatever crazy dream that it is that you have is because you're maybe frightened of failure and your body doesn't want you to feel pain and your mind doesn't want you to feel pain. So just go ahead and think of like, what's three more useful things that I could believe? So generate those, get kind of creative about them and then write them down. So three more things that would be more useful to believe and then pick out that belief system. So it could be, um, I believe being an entrepreneur is easy. I believe that being an entrepreneur um, is a skill that can be learned. I believe that being being an entrepreneur is something that I can easily master. You would pick one of those and then you write it down. You make sure that it feels okay. And then over the course of the next kind of seven to 14 days, you repeat that on a daily basis. You repeat your new belief and you kind of say in your head, like laughingly, oh, I can't believe I used to believe that thing. And the more you repeat it, the more the connections change in your brain, the more then you can hardly even remember that you did believe the old thing before. Yeah. And I feel like the, I feel like one of the things that's important that I want to emphasize to people is that it's, you're never too old no to reinvent yourself and go on a totally different trajectory no right? yeah. so i mean one of the things uh, and you i mean you heard my talk at the nomad summit mm-hmm. and, excellent talk thank you very much <laughs> uh and and the way that i started that talk mm-hmm. is i said to people just to be entirely clear that my entire academic background including mm-hmm. my graduate work and all of my work experience up to the age of 30 yeah. has absolutely nothing to do at all yeah. with what I'm doing now. Yeah. I got fired from my job when I was 30. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm done working for other people. Yeah. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I love it. And then I was like, mm, there's only one problem. I don't know how to start a business. Yeah. <laughs> But it's great because you learn it. Like when you're born, you don't know how to walk. You don't know how to talk. Like everything that we do in life is learned. Yeah. I mean, you can change direction. Mm -hmm. You can pivot. You can reinvent yourself at any point in your life. If you're not satisfied with what's happening, if you're not inspired by it, if you're not motivated, Mm -hmm. if you're in a rut, you can literally just say today while I'm listening to this podcast – I'm going to make a decision to fundamentally alter the trajectory of the remainder of my life because that's what you have control over. It is never too late. And it it used to be, you know, scientists used to study the brain and they used to say, you know, after a certain age became in a fixed state that that was it. You know, like nothing could be done to change it. But now there's been huge advances in neuroplasticity, which shows the brain can change right up until you're like 90. In fact, it's, it's just a muscle. It just ever grows. And it just goes, it, 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 you feed it the right nutrients and the right information and it will grow with you in whatever direction you want it to go in. It is a muscle. It's just part of you in the same way. If you work out your arm at the gym, you know, then you're going to kind of like, you know, get those toned muscles. It's the same with your brain. Like you really have to, to work and exercise your brain and make it work for you. It, it, you know, it wants to, it's ready. It's willing to go in whatever direction you point it, but just make sure you point it in the right way and that you keep on kind of sending those positive messages. Right. And that's what I like about your story, because I feel like a lot of people will say, you know, they'll listen to something like this, be like, oh, well, now 
I'm married and I've bought the house mm. and I've got the car and I've got the this yeah. and I've got the whatever. And so for me, this is no longer an option, right? But for you, I think your story is great because you were married and you had the house and you had yeah. the car and you said, you know what? We are going to make a life change to live more passionately and to do incredibly yeah. inspiring things and to do it now and not wait till we're 65 and then start traveling. Exactly. And I didn't know what I was doing. Like, that's the honest truth. Like, I just knew that that was the lifestyle that I wanted and that was enough to power me through. So don't feel like you have to have all the answers. Like, you know, you're never going to have all the answers at any stage of the journey. There's always something to learn. So if you're kind of thinking, oh, well, I don't really have, you know, I don't have a business idea. Um, I'm not really sure if I have the digital skills. Like we didn't have any of that when we left. We were probably a, a bit crazy, but but it totally worked. You know, we came out here, we spoke to people, we listened to stories about things that worked. We noticed the things that interested us and the things that didn't. And you find a way you know human beings are amazing and the potential that we have is incredible so you know I would have regretted this if I hadn't have done it so let me ask you this question let's talk about the long-term strategies Mm -hmm. for accountability and motivation in terms of achieving those goals so you talked about goal setting for Mm -hmm a year out or three years out, right? And what I find happens with me, Mm -hmm. right, is that I go to some inspiring event, right? (laughs) Like I'm going to be in your goal setting workshop next week and I'm super (laughs) stoked about it. And I know what's going to happen. I'm going to be inspired by you and I'm going to set my goals and it's going to be for the next year. I'm going to do this and Sarah inspired me and I'm fired up and I'm going to walk out of that workshop with my goals written down in pen as you told me to do it and we fired up. And then two weeks from now, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be like, oh, wow, yeah, you're inviting me to go to like climb this waterfall and you're inviting me to go to like do this cool thing and like all this kind of stuff, right? You know, so... What are the sort of the techniques or recommendation for after you set the goal properly, right? And you have all the foundational stuff done properly for setting those goals. What are your recommendations for implementation, Mm -hmm. execution, creating accountability mechanisms, Mm -hmm. and staying motivated to actually achieve those goals and execute on them over the course of a year plus? Yes. So so there's... Yeah, two important things. Like one is that long-term vision. So, you know, create the long-term vision as far as you can go. If you can go more than a year, great. The second thing is make break down those goals into achievable things. So something that you can do in the first week, something that you can do in the second week, third week. Um, delayed gratification is the number one reason that people don't achieve goals because we're like oh, it's too far away, it's too much effort, I don't want to do it, I'm not getting any reward, I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. So just little achievable goals that you can do. So um, for example, if it was about setting up your own business, you know, that can be an overwhelming goal. Like if, you've, if you're not an entrepreneur at the minute, you're thinking about it, or you are an entrepreneur and you're thinking about how you can, you know, become location independent, that can be an overwhelming goal. Like where do you start with that? So just pick one thing that you can do, you know, two things that you can do, and then you gradually build momentum. And as you get rewarded for that and you start to feel really, really good, so it might be something as small as, and I listen to a couple of podcasts, I'm going to watch a YouTube thing, you know, I'm going to think about my business strategy and how I could kind 
kind of take it from, you know, the current kind of analogue to, to an online setting? How would that work? I'm going to brainstorm it out. Whatever it is, just break it down into an achievable task. And the second thing is celebrate success. So when you do something, because we're all forward people, where we're just like, oh, I did that thing, on to the next thing you know, celebrate the success, you know, take time to look at how far you have come. So if in kind of, you know, a month ago that you didn't have the business idea, but now you do, and now you're facing kind of a new set of challenges, celebrate the fact that you've got there. You know, you're moving forward more than anybody else, more than the majority of people if you're doing that. So celebrate your success, take time to do that. Thirdly, super team, create your super team, find people who are going to inspire you, who are going to help you solve your problems, who are going to raise you up, who you can bounce ideas off, who can be like a mentor to you, maybe for example, who have maybe been or or done it before. So if you can find an entrepreneur, you know, even if it is kind of online, whatever it is, um, talk to them and understand what they did, you know, model their behavior, what worked well for them. Um, you're not going to be the first person in the world that has ever become an entrepreneur. You're not going to be the first person in the world that has ever become location independent. So find those people, understand what they did, learn from their journey, feel inspired by their journey. And most importantly, you know, understand what worked for them, ask them those questions. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you this. I mean, in terms of just you personally as a business owner, I want to I want to mm. kind of get back to this and ask you what worked for you um, in in two areas. One is time management. Yeah. I want to know how you as a business owner mm-hmm. manage your time because you have a lot of stuff going on in your life. You obviously have a spouse, you know, that you need to spend quality time with. You're obviously living in epic locations Mm -hmm. around the world and you want to go and do really amazing things and do, (laughs) you know, incredible stuff and you're moving around, you want to see things and all that. How do you structure your personal time to execute on your business priorities? Yeah. So that was a real struggle at the start like a real struggle I'm all about like the next shiny things or doing the task that like excites me more rather than what needed to be done so I quickly kind of noticed that about myself that I would spend stuff on on time on the more creative side of things or more on the client side of things rather than kind of building up the, the the web and the content and the things that needed to be done so I always kind of, and I know you referenced this as well in your in your um, Noma presentation, um, is like, what's the high value priority? What's the thing that's going to bring me kind of closest to the goal? Um, and get super focused on that. So I'll give you a really good example, actually, that happened this week. So I'm quite a task-oriented person. Um, I really, if I put something on my list, I want to take it off. Like, I want to take it off so badly, and it pains me if I can't take it off the list. So one thing I wanted to do before I left Chiang Mai was to create some video content. Um, and I wanted it for the website, and I wanted a bit of uh, off a platform. Um, and other other things have happened, other challenges have happened within the business, some technical stuff that we didn't know, you know, stuff just gets in the way. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to go in, you know, today and tomorrow and I'm just going to smash out some video stuff. Like, that's what I'm going to do. But actually, and it was Chris, <laughs> it's like over a coffee, he's like, Sarah, it's not a good idea. Like one, you're not prepared for it. Like you haven't done the work for it because other things have happened. 
just because you're not going to do it now doesn't mean you're never going to be able to do it. Like you really need to think about, is this the thing that you really need to be working on right now or are there other priorities? And so it's good to kind of have someone to rein you in. So I, I just had to scrap that. I was like, okay, do you know what? I can just do it later. So really focusing in on the things that are going to make up a difference in your business um, and using your time that way and then getting the reward for it because you see how it moves forward rather than a scattergun approach of doing everything, but none of them quite as well as you should do. So you structure your business priorities and then when you, when you, go to execute on them. Are you creating like focus, like time blocks during the day? Like, do you work the same hours each day? Do you have a morning routine and mm-hmm. rituals that you go through and you know that you're going to be in the office or, or, or the co-working space or wherever it is for these hours, just p- pounding out, you know, these priorities. And then you're going to be, you know, socializing or spending time with Chris or, you know, doing yeah. whatever in these other hours. Like, do you have the same day structure? Um, to a certain extent, yes, but flexibility around it. I'm not a huge routine person. I have a good morning routine, which I which I stick to. Um, but other than that, um, yeah, the most days I work from ten until five, maybe six in the co-working space, you know, seven or eight if it's needed. Um, I don't like to work later or longer than that. Um, I like to sleep I like to rest my brain I think it's important it's certainly how I work I know others are different um if I'm having a day where I've just been working on something super intense and it's taken way more energy you know you've got to be kind to yourself so yeah sure I may just go to the pool for a couple of hours that day. So there's flexibility around it. And I think that's nice because your mind and your body knows that it's kind of balance over burnout, you know, like, sure, I could go and smash it for like another four hours and push myself over the edge and like, you know, really kind of tap into that kind of, you know, adrenal kind of, you know, rush. But actually, I don't need to do that. And it's probably not best for me in the long term. Yeah, because one of the things I think that people struggle with when they're getting into the nomad life Mm. is discipline yeah. and structure for actually executing on their work priorities mm-hmm. when they're in these extraordinary locations. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, hey, want to go scuba diving? Hey, yeah. want to go to like hike this, you know, yeah. epic place and the, you know, the sunrise and want to go do this and go do that. And, you know, there's all of this stuff kind of going on. Yeah. And I feel like some people, when they're transitioning out of like a traditional work environment where they're in an office or, or a nine all. to five to this, then, you know, being able to, a lot of it, you know, relates to self-discipline and Mm -hmm. being able to structure your lifestyle with your execution of your work priorities. Yeah. So we, we do, I mean, we take the weekends off, you know, I don't know why it's like weekends, like it's that ingrained thing. We tried to be like, we'll work weekends. Like we could work a weekend, then we'll take a Wednesday off because we don't have to follow that traditional format. I don't know for whatever reason, like we couldn't get that to work for us. It was just something really rewarding about it's Friday. Like that's the time. So we, we do still work the traditional kind of work and week, but you know, we take the advantage of being business owners that if we need that bit of time away that we can do um, and then we take dedicated breaks so you know we're going to go to Malaysia and um, for a little bit before we go back and you know 
the nice thing about the business is we put so much work into it that it it can automate itself. You know, it doesn't need us there. Like we can take that step away. And that has taken longer to get to that point, but the rewards are really, really great. It means that, you know, when we are in KL that, you know, we can just minimally check the emails if we want to, but the site will run itself. The schedule until will run itself. You know, everything is automated. Everything is kind of working in the background. Um, so yeah, a mixture of both, but always kind of taking that reward that this is the reason why we're doing it. We're entrepreneurs because if I choose in the morning when I get up that I feel like I need a rest or I want to go and see that sunrise, that I can do it, but then I have to put the work in at a different time. Right. Well, I was very impressed uh, with this past weekend because I think I emailed you on like a Friday. Yeah, I and did you e- not And you did not answer. <laughs> and you emailed me back on a Monday. Yeah. And you said uh, that I took a – I unplugged for yeah. the weekend and did not check email and was away from my electronics, which I think is an amazingly healthy practice. Yeah that very few people follow in this digital age. Yeah. I mean, it's just so important. It's it's just other people's noise in there and things that you need to do and and you know, when you open it, it's it's a wormhole. You just kind of get like dragged in and and it's really come out of a lesson because what we were doing for a while here was um we'd finish on a Friday, we feel great, then we'd talk because you know, you talked about Chris being a business partner. One thing is it's hard for us both to kind of switch off. So we don't just go into weekend mode. Then, you know, we have a coffee. Then it's like, oh, what about this? Oh, we should probably do this. And then we talk about the tasks. And then the next thing, the laptops are out. And five hours later, the one thing that you're going to spend 30 minutes on, you're still sitting there. And so every now and again, it's just a complete unplug. It's just, I'm not looking at it, you know, it can wait, they can wait in the nicest way possible. Um, but but you need that, you need that mental rest. And I think that's really good for creativity. You know, it's really good for me and Chris as a couple just to have that kind of disconnect, you know, that we both kind of say, there is no emails. Or, you know, tonight we're, you know, we're going to talk about our travels. We're not going to talk about the business. You know, we're going to focus on that because it can become 24 7 even when you're not working the business is in the back of your mind it is your baby you're thinking of things you're just you know you're thinking about tasks you're thinking about new ideas you're thinking about where you can bring it so it it, it is 24 7 you don't need to add to that through your email list yeah i think that's really important because when you live this lifestyle Mm -hmm. your business works business slash work and your travel slash lifestyle design yep. are basically integrated. Mm-hmm. And so it's up to you, the individual, to segregate them. Yeah. Because in the same way that, you know, if you don't discipline yourself to knock out and execute on your work priorities, mm-hmm. the other, you know, end of the spectrum is also true. Yeah. That you have to end your work life and you know unplug from that and focus entirely on your social slash lifestyle design slash yeah. relationship slash whatever else it may be mm-hmm. and get into a non-work space so that you're able to you know balance those two yeah and, and I think that either end of those uh, of that spectrum can overwhelm the other end yeah 
and the balance of those two in a way that works for you is really a central part of the game for this lifestyle. It's so difficult. So again, when we first started um, on our weekends, we did crazy trips. Like we were, you know, in the back of trucks, driving up in the jungle, like down mud tracks, like, you know, sleeping in hill tribe villages and then like coming back on Sunday, like late at night. And then like, oh, cool. Now we've got a go to co-working space with our laptops after seeing all that so we made a, a real decision this time when we came back um in Chiang Mai we went home for Christmas and we came back that we weren't going to do those trips um because we we really needed to kind of knuckle down and, and focus on the business and actually as amazing as those trips were traveling takes a lot of energy you know it really does it it sounds great it looks great but it's tiring moving from A to B you know seeing those kind of different cultural things so I think you have to understand when it's a good time to take a break and when it's not and that will be different for each person um but yeah you sort of find your own balance but it's not easy we all want to go for those sunrises we want the nice riverboat trips you know we want to do everything that's kind of here but yeah you can't it's about scheduling it's about scheduling right And, and 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 structuring that so okay one more entrepreneur question I want to ask mm-hmm. you is how you personally deal with stress mm-hmm. because one of the things that I tell any you know uh, people that are interested in entrepreneurship about preemptively is the entrepreneurial roller coaster oh wow yes as we call it which every entrepreneur that I ever talked to says the same thing that you just yeah. said it's very real. Get yeah. ready for it. And you're going to have very high highs. Yeah. And then you're going to have very unexpected and sometimes, you know, a calamitous or cataclysmic lows yeah. where you're just going to fail and things are going to backfire and you're going to have struggles or very stressful experiences and situations. And it's part of the entrepreneurial life and it's part yeah. of everything. Um, and I don't want to, you know, romanticize or gloss over that because it's a mm-hmm. real thing. So, when you um, you know are in periods of stress or having periods of stress or that kind of stuff, I mean, you know, how do you deal with that? What are your techniques or your practices, or or how do you work through that and handle that? Yeah, so um, definitely can relate to that. Like a, a couple of weekends ago, um, I was a hundred percent in like the valley of death. I was just like right there, just couldn't see a way I was like I'm just not making progress and it was one of those real low lows that come after the real high highs um I have found meditation really really works for me I super struggle to meditate I have like a real monkey active mind and I get a real kick and burst of energy from that mind I don't want to shut it off because I enjoy it And I tried lots of different apps over the years and nothing really worked for me. And a friend recommended a meditation retreat in Chiang Mai. And I was always a bit skeptical about that. Like, I I like it, but I'm, I'm more like a practical girl and I'm not a massive hippie or anything like that. I love hippies. I think it's awesome, but I just struggle with that whole airy fairy kind of culture. It's not who I am. So when I went to the meditation place, I was like, I know this is good for me, but I, I, I don't know what to expect. And it was absolutely incredible. I spent three days um, learning with um, some of the most talented monks in, um, it's a forest monastery in Chiang Mai. It's one of the top three in the world. It's free, which is 
amazing. It looks like a resort. I had my own private cootie, like a little bungalow. They feed you. And because it's Buddhist, you can just make a donation if you want to or if you don't. And they really taught me the value of the mind and the body aren't connected, which was a concept I'd heard, but I didn't understand before. So now I meditate for... 10 minutes a day it's not loads and um, but I can get there a lot faster I think because of the training and I can just calm and slow the mind down and that really really helps with stress just to kind of center myself to get myself in that space that's really valuable exercise really helps so swimming in particular just that muscle memory of kind of the the actions and the relaxation that's really really important and two just knowing that the minute that I stop is the moment that I fail So I remind myself of that, that, okay, things are bad, but things will be good again. And this is not permanent. And just reminding myself that this is momentarily, this is temporary. It's going to be okay. And it will only not be okay if I make a decision in this moment that that's the end of the journey or that's the time that I choose not to work on it anymore. So those kind of three things combined so settling the mind a bit of exercise for the endorphins and then just a mental reminder that it's temporary you know no one breezes through life 24 7 on a happy happiness ride that's not how life works everybody has problems you know your only problem is that you think that you shouldn't have them but everybody does have them so it's just about relaxing into it and knowing that you'll find a solution that it may take longer but ultimately it's temporary and just keep going That's really significant because I think that when people fail or they have a setback, there's a tendency to quit. Yeah. There's a tendency to say, oh, this path isn't for me. I can't Mm -hmm. do it. I had a setback. Therefore, this is a sign that I should then go back to whatever the, you know, prescribed route for me is. But in fact, 100% of entrepreneurs have setbacks all the time. It's a regular part of it. You fail and fail and fail and fail and fail and fail and fail again. And then your ability to just persevere through that and to overcome that and to just continue on That's it. is what makes the entrepreneur. And you don't realize how close success is. So, you know, using that example, like last week, I I was in the complete valley of death and it was around a, a, a bit of branding we were doing um, for the website and uh, neither me and Chris could agree on anything and we couldn't get the idea right. And it was just like, we're never going to get there. And by the Monday... By the Monday afternoon, it was there and it was fine. And it was like, what was that about? Like those kind of like two days of literally felt like I was banging my head against a wall. And I was like, this is, I I just don't get this. And I'm not going to be able to do this. It's going to take months and you work yourself up into a state. And then you become solution focused and it's like, right, what can I do? You know, like, like what are the options here? You know, what's the way out of this problem? And then suddenly it just comes just like in a click of a switch. And you think, thank goodness I kept going because, it was closer than I realized. Yeah, I think that's. I think the solution-oriented stuff is super important. That every bit of stress, every setback, every mm-hmm. challenge that you have, you view it as a business problem. Yeah. And then you say, okay, what is the solution mm-hmm. to this problem? And whatever it is, there is somebody has experienced it before. Yeah. You're truly not the first one. <laughs> yeah. And there is a solution, and you just have to figure out what that is and to keep going. Yeah. So, w- with regard to the meditation, though, so the ten minutes mm. that you do, is it? For you, is that a first thing in the morning when you get up? Yeah. And what type of meditation are you doing? Are you doing guided meditation? Mm -hmm. Are you doing like, how does that work? Because I feel like 
one of the things with meditation for people is that they might just say, okay, I'm going to try to meditate tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And then they just like kind of sit there and they're like, oh, my mind is wandering. I guess I'm not good at meditation. Forget yeah. this practice. So how did you sort of cultivate that in a way that works for you? And, and, and how does it work for you? What, what do you actually do during those 10 minutes? Yeah. So um, the, the way that I do it and the thing that's kind of worked for me was the technique that was taught at the retreat, which is a combination of Vipassana and then Samantha kind of training. If you don't know what that is, it, it's kind of simple. It's um, the, the first top, uh, the first kind of stage that you start at is your breathing. So you just focus on the breath in and out of your mouth, and then you say boo do boo do. So boo as you go in, do as you go as you go out, and you just w- like watch the breath. You observe the breath in and out, in and out. Then you kind of observe the body, so you feel how you're sitting, where you're uncomfortable, but you don't move. You just stay really, really super, super still. And then as the body relaxes, you go into the stage that they call Vipassana, which is the mind kind of might wander a little bit. And actually, the mind is naturally going to wander. It doesn't mean that you're bad at meditation, which is exactly how I felt. And um, I spoke to uh, one of the, the, the lead kind of abbot actually at the retreat. And I said, I don't think I'm good at it. Like I... You know, I sit and I can do the breathing bit, but then my mind and it just goes and, and I, 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 I don't want, it should be still, it should be silent. And he just laughed and he was like, ah, this is not what meditation is. And he said, all you have to do is just think, you know, hello, sadness, hello, thought. Oh, I'm thinking about this. So you become the observer. That's what he termed it. And that was really helpful for me. He just said, you just become the person that observes the thoughts and you kind of step out of it. So if it's like... Uh, I feel really stressed about, you know, the, the meeting tomorrow or I feel stressed about a presentation or whatever it is. You just observe it and you just comment on it. Oh, that's stress. Oh, that's sadness. And that is meditating. So it's not about your mind being silent necessarily. For some people, they can reach that stage. It takes a long time. But it's just about recognizing your thoughts and stopping them at that point. So rather than it being hey there sadness and then the next thing sadness has taken over your whole body and you're like crying and it's awful you just recognize it and you go okay there you are that that's just my thoughts and you just recognize that they're just thoughts in your mind and you just observe them for what they are and comment on comment on them so yeah so I do for 10 minutes I just set my iPhone for 10 minutes sit on the bed in the room um, and that's it and I do it in the morning the other thing I do, which is really useful, um, and and actually a top tip that if you work with your spouse, is uh, coconut oil, like uh, pulling in the morning, like 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And it's great because nobody can talk to you because you have a mouthful of coconut oil. <laughs> So it's really nice just to get your mind in the right frame in the morning, you know, particularly if you're kind of, you know, with a group of people or you have, you know, a a husband or a boyfriend or a girlfriend, whatever it is. Um, So I do that for 10 or 15 minutes in the morning as well. And that just kind of, you know, it it just helps kind of get the toxins out of the mouth, just cleanses, you feel nice and refreshed. Um, And then Bulletproof Coffee, my other super favorite. Um, So, yeah, they're my kind of three things that get me going in the morning. Awesome. All right. Are you ready for some lightning round questions? <gasps> I'm nervous, but I'm ready. Well, I don't know what's going to come out of my as, Listen, take as long as you like to answer them, but they're just sort of quick, short questions. Yeah. The lightning round. All right. What is your top favorite podcast or blog that you follow regularly? It's one that I've just started recently, and it's called How I Built This. 
I have heard of that. I've heard very good things about very it. I have not things. checked it out yet. But very, very good. We will, uh, we will link that in the uh, show notes below uh, so folks can check that out. What is your most influential book that you have read along your entrepreneurial journey that has inspired or helped you the most? Yeah. So it's one that I just finished at Christmas and it's called Shoe Dog and it's by Phil McKnight. Um, the Nike story. The Nike story. Yeah. Amazing, amazing book. I love that he started to travel um, and then just how the journey unfolds. And it's, yeah, it was so unexpected. It was so unexpected. And I, I don't want to ruin any part of it, but I highly recommend it, particularly for the highs and lows, for the challenges. And if you are thinking about becoming an entrepreneur or you are an entrepreneur, it is a top read. Awesome. What are your top three places that you've ever traveled? And let's maybe maybe a little bit further say top three places where you would love to go back and spend at least another month mm. enjoying them and that you might recommend for people to check out. Okay. So I love China. I love China. It was crazy, like absolutely culturally just insane um but beautiful people really friendly just a complete culture shift so i i would love to go back back there particularly because it's changing so rapidly i'd love to kind of see um what it looks like now and how it's developed is there a particular city that you would um, go to I if you could spend a month in china would you pick oh. a particular city to go to I don't know if I would because they're all so big. Um, I'd like to get into the country a bit more if that's possible. Yeah. Like China was crazy big. We went to this place to do the Yangtze River cruise and we got on at this um, place called Chongqing. Like, I mean, I never heard of it. I think its population was like ridiculous million people. It was just insane. So yeah, I don't know if I would pick a particular city, but I'd like to travel around more. And I, I love the trains there. I travel a lot by train. Yeah. And the next place would be Barrio. I don't know if you've heard of it. No. Um, so Barrio is um, in the interior of Borneo. And I went there. Uh, you have to take like a little tiny plane to get there. It's super frightening. There's like chickens in the plane with you. This like, is in Borneo, you in said? In Borneo, yeah. Okay. It's, like, it's a place called Barrio. It's really like off the beaten track. I think they're building a road there at the minute. So probably get there fast or maybe it's already completed by this stage. Um, but it's super beautiful. Um, you can trek into the rainforest with really remote hill tribes. Um, we went there and we actually ended up not trekking. We ended up staying there for three weeks um, because there was a big food festival that was on where all the hill tribes camped, like walked in. They like um, killed a water buffalo like every night for dinner. There was huge feasts. And again, it was just an amazingly beautiful place with just cultures that I never dreamed that I would ever interact with before. Wow. And for folks that don't know where Borneo is, it's part mm -hmm. of the country of Malaysia. Yeah. So it's in Southeast Asia. Yeah. Uh, and it's a separate island off of the mainland of Malaysia that has Kuala Lumpur and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. you would take a flight to get there. Yeah. And so then that another amazing, little which I've never flight. been, Which I've never been to, by the way, but I've heard only incredible things about Borneo. Yeah. It's a, yeah, absolutely incredible orangutans and yeah, you know, just wildlife beyond your kind of wildest dreams and then there's an island but i don't want to tell the name of it because <laughs> i don't want people it's to a go secret island. <laughs> 
But there is a secret island in Malaysia, in which Malaysia. is okay. just perfect. It is my favorite place on earth. It is just stunning. There are no roads. There is no Wi-Fi. It'd be awful for digital nomads, but it's perfect for shutting off. Um, you can reach it in like 15 minutes from the mainland. And you, it is will, just white beach and jungle. Will you say the name of it only for the Maverick Show listeners? Only for the Maverick yeah, Show. So they, but oh. they, have to, they have to promise okay. not to tell anyone. No, do not tell anybody. Okay. But it's called Pula Capas. And it's just amazing. You can't even book accommodation in advance. You just have to turn up. Um, but it's just beach and jungle. And you wake up from your accommodation. Every single piece of accommodation is on the beach because it's just beach and that's it. And you wake up in the morning and you walk down to the ocean and you snorkel with sea turtles and baby sharks and time just disappears. Like there is, if you want to be on a deserted island, but still be close to civilization, like this place is just the stuff of absolute dreams. It's amazing. All right. I've lived in Malaysia. I've spent about four months in Malaysia and yeah. I've never been there. So I'm going home tonight to look uh, up uh, how to get there. Yeah. Because I'm going. It's so. incredible. It is incredible. <laughs> it sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so when you were in China, did you take the did you take the bullet trains like yeah. the, the 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 Shanghai to Beijing and some of the major routes? I did, I did, and I have a yeah, I did. I had a very interesting event on one of those trains where I got sick really badly before I got on the train. So yeah, um, a bit of a stomach upset. I'll not go into too much detail, um, but I got really poorly and I was on the train for eighteen hours. It was a super super long train. And um, I couldn't keep anything down and it was just absolutely awful. And at that time when I was traveling in China, swine flu was the, was the big thing. And so um, they were deporting people, like anybody with a temperature, they were checking your temperature kind of as you got like onto flights, onto trains. Like we'd heard horror stories of people being, you know, detained in their hotels for like months and months. And I was really sick and I was running a temperature. It wasn't spine flu. It was just food poisoning. But me and Chris were so worried that the authorities would know, right? Like, oh, they're going to check our temperature. So we were, we get to the final stop. I've, I've actually made it, but I'm really weak at this stage. And so Chris gets the two backpacks and he's like, oh, can you just carry the small bag? And I was like, yeah, okay, small bag. So I put the small bag on and as the train stops, I faint. <laughs> Not only do I faint, but I whack my head off the table. And when I land on my backpack, my eyes are open, even though I'm out for the count. Oh. To which Chris then informs me there's like 25 Chinese kind of train attendants oh. who all come rushing down. They like are shaking me when I wake up. I don't know where I am. I'm so confused. I'm like completely out of it. They just scream at us in Chinese, like telling us like to wait, like wait there. And I was like, oh, we're going to get sent out of the country. Like this is like the start of our trip. Like we're freaking out. And uh, Chris is like, okay, like it's okay. Right. Well, we're, we're going to deal with this. So anyway, we try to get off the train. We're like, it's fine. We're, we're just going to get off the train. And they're like, no, 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 no. Like telling us to like signal them with our hands, like wait here, wait here. And then I look down the platform and I can see like this team of 10 people running down the platform, like these Chinese train guards and a doctor, I, I assume, like with a wheelchair for me, like just racing down. And the rest of them are kind of like staring at us like on the platform. And Chris just whispers in my ear, I'm going to count to three and you're just going to run. We just need to run away from this. So he counts to three and we just run. And Chris has all the bags, like these 
two massive backpacks and we run down this like Chinese kind of like I, I think it was in Hangzhou it was but like this wheelchair brigade chasing after us and we managed to outrun them and hide in a stairwell <laughs> and we just stayed there for 10 minutes until they gave up yeah and then we checked into a hotel for a few days so that was absolutely crazy um but yeah a great story now but horrific when it happened that is amazing i have never been to mainland china i've been ah. only to hong kong and macau yeah. but it's super high on my list and i yeah. feel like china is so enormous it's enormous like it is enormous and it's like whenever you see i mean not only are there the epic cities of shanghai, mm-hmm. of shanghai and beijing and like all of these other litany of other cities that have 10 million plus people in them. Uh, they also have this unbelievable natural landscape. Yeah. I mean, I feel like anytime you see, you know, those lists on Facebook of like the 100 most amazing things in the world to see, like 25% or more from China. Yeah, it, it, it was incredible. And it was just culturally, I mean, you didn't have to do anything different during a day. You could just walk down the street and just sit for five minutes and you just were constantly, what is happening? You know, it looks like you're in a queue, but you're not in a queue. Like nothing makes sense. It's like, take your Western rule book and just like throw it out the window. And I, the thing I love was like their hostels are crazy good and they were like a dollar, two dollars a night and they were like five star. They were beautiful. And they do like um, a free beer to get everybody to gather in the hostels in China. It was everywhere that we went. So like from like six till seven, you could bring down your token and you could have a beer. And it was a great way to meet people. And almost every night people were just talking about you'll never guess what I saw today. Like, this happened. Like, this is crazy. I don't understand that. So, culturally, it's crazy. The nature is beautiful. Great Wall of China was incredible. Like, definitely one of my top highlights. I ziplined off it, which was, like, only in China could you find a zipline off the Great Wall of China. (laughs) But, yeah, it was just, just brilliant. If you haven't been, I'd highly recommend. Wow. Okay, so you are very well-traveled, but what are your top three places on your bucket list that you have not yet been? Yeah, not yet been. Um, I would love to go to Iceland. I've never really, because being like growing up in Ireland, we have an aversion to the cold. Like, why would I go somewhere colder than my own country, right? Like, I don't want to go there. But actually, now I kind of, I'm really intrigued about going to a colder country. I'd love to see the Northern Lights. I'd love to do like a, you know, a, a boat kind of trip down the fjords, like all that stuff. So I, I would really love to go there. I've never been to South America. I haven't touched South America at all. Um, so that's definitely next on the list. I think maybe after Portugal, that might be where we go. Um, and New Zealand. So I skipped New Zealand. I'd have been to Australia, but I've never been to New Zealand. And like I see photos and it's just, you know, the nature is just incredible. And I think there would be something just amazing about get in a van and just kind of driving through and, and seeing nature and pulling up and having the barbecues and all that stuff. So yeah, they're kind of my my top Amazing. three. Amazing. Well, I spent almost six months in South America last oh. year. So let's uh, definitely talk yes. about your itinerary because yes. some epic stuff to see on that yeah. continent. But I think you guys would love it. That'd be awesome. Cool. So, uh, Sarah, so this has been amazing. So let's uh, talk about where folks can connect with you, where they can find you, and especially where they can get 
that content for, you know, how they can begin setting their power goals and, you know, getting into this. Yep. So um, we have a website um, and you can just head on over to the com forward slash achieve dash your dash goals. We are going to put that link in the show notes. So all you have to do is go to the show notes and then click on it. Yep. And there's tons of amazing stuff there. It is the efforts of like a lot of work. It's really good quality content it's all my knowledge it's super big it's like three thousand words it's got free templates in it um and it's all free to download i I recognize that not everybody can you know afford or in a position to kind of you know pay for a professional service but i don't think that should ever stop anybody from achieving their goals so all the resources are there you just need to click on the link download it i'd love to hear how you find using the templates and how they help you achieve your goals so yeah get in touch Amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm going to do one of your paid workshops uh, next week. I'm Mm -hmm. super excited about it. But for people that can't uh, uh, be here and and do that in person with you, definitely go check out the website. Just go to the show notes. We'll have the link there and you can get a bunch of free content for how to start, how to start setting your power goals uh, so that you can achieve them and utilize all the exercises that we have discussed in this podcast. And then if people want to follow you uh, on social media and that kind of stuff, how can they connect with you there? Yeah. So um, I have an Instagram account at the power to reinvent and i'm also on facebook same handle at the power to reinvent so yeah come hang out with me um i'd love to get to know you better um love to hear your goals and there's lots of kind of daily inspiration um on there so yeah get in touch awesome well i'm a follow of your instagram account it is definitely Yay. awesome and uh, <laughs> we'll put those links as well in the show notes for people to check out so sarah thank you so much for hanging out today you're it's very welcome yeah thank you so much it's been great Thanks, everybody, and we'll talk to you later. Have a good day. Be sure to visit the show notes page at themaverickshow.com for direct links to all the books, people, and resources mentioned in this episode. You'll find all that and much more at themaverickshow.com. Would you like to get Maverick Investor Group's white paper on real estate investing for digital nomads? How to buy U.S. rental properties from anywhere in the world and finance an epic international lifestyle? Just go to themaverickshow.com slash nomad. The report is totally free and available for you now at themaverickshow.com forward slash nomad. If you like podcasts, you will love audiobooks and you can get your first one for free at themaverickshow.com slash audiobook. Whether you want the latest best-selling novels or books on investing, business, or travel, try your first audiobook for free at themaverickshow.com forward slash audiobook.